The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. I want to talk to you a little bit to start with about uh, the church. And uh, we um, should be aware, if this is uh, your regular church home, that we have uh, four pillars here at Harvest. And these four pillars are set upon, of course, the foundation of Jesus Christ and who he is. These four pillars are unapologetic preaching, unashamed worship, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. And if you don't mind me saying it this way, uh, this is the business of the church. This is what we are uh, to be about. It's the core of who we are. It reflects our uh, values. And when we do these four things, set on the foundation of Jesus Christ and under the covering of what we call uncommon community, um, then we have um, the very thing that the Bible describes a church to be. And when that is... um, also, in filled with the Holy Spirit and with his power, we have something very powerful at work. And we're going to spend some time today, that's by way of review of what the church is, we're going to spend some time on that fourth pillar, um, what we call unafraid witness, or it's stated this way, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. And uh, this is an essential characteristic of a Christ follower and of the church, apart from people sharing witnessing uh, to the gospel, sharing the gospels, preaching about Jesus Christ. Aside from that, you don't have any baptism services. And so uh, witness is so much at the core of who we are, again, as Christ followers and as the church. And this fourth pillar is also reflected in our overall mission statement, which says this, we exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to make disciples the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment, and that is to love God and love others. And so again, it's the mission God's given to us to make disciples in the context of this uncommon community where we love God and we love one another. And so that's kind of like by way of review, that's who we are, and then bringing it down to the particular of that fourth pillar and where we're going to go today. And the passage we want to use as the setup for this is Acts chapter 1, Uh, where uh, in Acts chapter 1, by the way, we're getting so, so close to finishing Luke's gospel. We're just two years away. (laughs) So close. I can almost taste it now. And, um, And of course, Acts is part two of what Luke wrote to Theophilus. And so Luke is part one, Acts is part two. I don't know, maybe we'll start it next two years from now. Uh, But in the meantime, in the meantime, Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11 is is the account of the ascension of Jesus Christ. Uh, He's commissioning his church before he leaves to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. He's going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to give them a promise that he's coming back again, a promise of his return. And all of that, again, we're thinking about our fourth pillar, all of that is the rationale to be fully engaged in the mission that he's given to us to do, the mission to be unafraid witnesses. And so that's where we're at today. Let's read this, Acts 1, 6 to 11. 
I'll read this, I'll pray, and then, um, and then we'll start working through uh, what we have in front of us. Acts 1.6. So when they, speaking of the apostles, had come together, they asked him, asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray together. Father, I'm pretty excited to read this passage and, and so blessed by your word and still so uh, very fired up by what we saw in these baptisms earlier. And God, I, I would pray that you would show us again uh, the mission that you've given to us. Stir in all of us to be fully engaged in what you've entrusted into our hands. Lead many to Jesus Christ. God, may we have many more who, who are baptized as a testimony to their faith in Christ. God, help us to be the church that you intend for us to be, fulfilling your mission in and through the name of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we are the unafraid witnesses of Jesus Christ because, three things we want to look at here, uh, first of all, uh, we are the unafraid witnesses because he commissioned us to be the unafraid witnesses. And when I read these verses, it just seems to me there's no ambiguity at all in what he left for us to do. Now, I want you to look at verse 8. We're going to look at all these verses, but I want to start in the latter half of verse 8 here where he gives the actual commission. You will be my witnesses, and then he lays out Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and, and then also to the end of the earth. And in fact, this little part, this last part of verse 8, I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but this is the table of contents to the book of Acts. And, and when he talks about Jerusalem, the first uh, seven chapters are all about the work in Jerusalem. And then from chapter 8 through chapter 12 is the work in Judea and Samaria. And then in chapter 13, we're introduced to the Apostle Paul. And from 13 to 28, the end, it's the work to the ends of the earth outside of Israel. And the gospel moving into Asia Minor and moving into Greece and all the way to Rome. And so you have the table of contents of the book of Acts right there. The whole format of how Luke laid it out for us. And then, then notice the first part. Look at what he says. You will be my witnesses. Again, no ambiguity. No, I hope you're going to be my witnesses. I want you to be my witnesses. The plan is for you to be my witnesses. No, it's, it's definite. You will be my witnesses in all of these places to the end of the earth. There's no wiggle room whatsoever. The mandate for every follower of Jesus Christ and every church that names his name is that we are to tell others about Jesus. We, we do that so that people will come to believe 
in what we preach, the cross of Jesus Christ, his sacrificial death for us, his victorious resurrection, that they will confess with their own mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's our, that's our mission. Because those who have not yet done that are in peril of eternal separation from God. And in our study of Luke recently, we keep seeing that come up again and again. It's a horror so complete that the descriptions we have in the scripture don't even come close to reflecting the reality of it. And Jesus gave us the job of telling the world the good news about him. And so we engage in this mission to be his witnesses. There's certainly a personal aspect to that and we want to talk about that in this message. Each individual has to take on a personal mission to tell people around them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell your story. This is how I came to faith in Christ, to use invitation cards or simply to say to someone, would you come and see what God is doing in our church? Or to actually explain the gospel to someone. We've gone through various ways to do that. Our gospel series talked about the five words that we can use to describe the gospel. I had a conversation this week at lunch on Friday with a man who um, is he's a businessman in the neighborhood of 7 George Street. At lunch together and, um, and he's at that very first starting point where he's willing to acknowledge that there's at least a God or a force, or a something, that's the starting point. And now we got to get to all the other points, but we're right there in the conversation. And are you willing to explain the gospel to those who don't yet know him? That's the um, personal aspect of this commissioning. And there's also a corporate one, of course. The church must work together on this as well. It's not one to the exclusion of the other, but it's both. Now, I have to say this. We believe that some people have Jesus and some people don't. We believe that some people are saved and some people are not. We believe that some people have their eternal destiny set and are going to heaven and that some people are not. If we don't believe this, because there are some in the fringes of our evangelical church world who are beginning to say things like, everyone's already saved. Jesus already saved everyone. Everyone's already on the journey. It's not true. It's a dangerous belief. And it takes away, if, if we believe that everyone's already saved, there is no compelling reason to go on this mission. There's no reason why Jesus would have us take the good news of the message of Jesus Christ to people who don't know it and try to persuade them to come to faith in Christ. If everyone's already saved, why did the apostles listen to Jesus? Why did they go to places where Jesus' name had not been named if they're already saved? Why would anyone give their life for it as the apostles each in turn did? Everyone's not saved. And Jesus told us to go and tell them about him. 
So we are the unafraid witnesses of Jesus Christ because he commissioned us. And then secondly, this, you might be going, you know, but I'm so afraid. I'm not an unafraid witness. I'm actually an afraid witness of Jesus. And well, notice next, he empowers us. The first part of verse eight now, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I've circled that word power in your Bibles and um, get that in your minds here because the power in this context certainly is the power to witness, the power to be bold, the power to deliver the gospel to people. But when we start thinking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the great benefits of having the Holy Spirit indwelling us and being in our lives, indwelling the church and indwelling us as individuals is that that power is available for all kinds of other things. It's the power to preach the gospel. It's the power to hear the gospel and transform our lives. It's the power to go through trials with the strength that allows us to endure. It's the power to overcome sin and temptation in our lives. The power to become holy just as he is holy. It's the power that binds us together as the church in unity, though we're all so different than one another. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in so many different ways working in our lives. But again, here in this context, it's to address this unafraid part of this fourth pillar. Because there's a number of reasons why we might not want to let people know the gospel might not want to preach it, why we might not want to be too obvious about being a Christian in many parts of the world, and I've already kind of mentioned this, to share your faith in Jesus Christ uh, can actually be deadly. I don't think we face that here. Many parts of the world, loss of livelihood, loss of influence, shunning by family, loss of friends, physical harm can all result from confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. In North America, though, uh, where we don't, f- we don't face those kinds of, um, that kind of persecution, if I could put it that way, it's more a fear of being disliked, a fear of being mocked, made fun of, a fear of being considered a religious nut, We want to be accepted. You know, I think about what's going on here and the empowering that can come from the Father, that this is why we have the Holy Spirit. This is why we have his power coming into our lives and into the midst of the church. And when we have this all working, when we have the commission, when we have his power, when we're unafraid, That's really a church that's working right. I love what uh, Bill Hybels always used to say. um, There's nothing like the church when the church is working right. And he was often thinking of different aspects of church ministry and how that all fit together, but not with all, also, also believing that that requires the Holy Spirit to be in our midst. And so there's nothing like the church when the church is working right in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The power of God's Holy Spirit, he empowers us. Jesus didn't give us the mission without also giving us the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome any fear that we might have, to be his unafraid witnesses. It just seems like it's a good idea to pray as a means to tap into this power. 
In his letter to the Ephesians, in fact, the Apostle Paul, who we think of as this great, bold missionary who went to places where people had never heard the gospel and got beaten and imprisoned and scorned and shipwrecked. He lists all the things that happened to him as a result of his ministry for the gospel, and yet he too needed prayer to tap into the power that was available from the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, he says this to to the believers in Ephesus, and pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He didn't want to shrink back at all from the mission God had given to him. And then he says, for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And when he says ambassador in chains, what's he saying? He's He's in jail, he's in prison for the gospel. And he asked him to pray that he would be bold in the face of persecution and opposition. He wrote from his jail cell to ask them to pray that even in the midst of his suffering, he wouldn't shrink back. And if you're a Christ follower and you give yourself fully to this mission and you feel some fear about it, if you feel yourself pulling back, if you don't quite have the boldness that Paul talks about here, that's, first of all, let's just say that's normal. Let's just say that's normal. But pray for boldness. Pray for it for yourself. Pray for it for others. Ask others to pray for it for you. In our small groups, we should be praying. As, as, as part of the weekly thing that we pray for, God, give us opportunities this week to speak of our faith to someone else. Because Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit's power to overcome any fear or apprehension to witnessing to him. We are the unafraid witnesses of Jesus Christ because he commissions us, he empowers us, and notice this third, he motivates us. The compelling reason for us to fulfill this mission is because he's coming back. He's coming back and we want to be motivated and found faithful at his return. Being engaged in the mission is evidence that you're actually saved. You care about people who are lost in the same way that he cares about them. You believe so strongly in Christ and what he's done for you that you can't help but tell other people about that. You want others to know. You can see how this whole thing started. We've looked at verse eight, but let's go to the verses just before. Verse six, and when they had come together, again, this is the 11 apostles, Judas now off the scene, and the 12th hadn't yet been added in yet. So the, tw- the 11 had come together. They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? There was still a little bit of a sense of confusion over the nature of his kingdom, even at this point. They still think that he's going to set himself up in the palace in Jerusalem as the king and reign over the world from there. So they're asking their question. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. Even the apostles didn't know when Jesus is coming back, when the kingdom is going to be inaugurated. And Jesus had spent, in fact, verse three tells us, Jesus had spent 40 days with them teaching them, training them for this moment. They still had lots of questions and there weren't answers coming to them for all of their questions. You're not gonna know when he's coming back. 
but we do know what we're supposed to be doing before he does. And that's when he gives him verse eight. And then in verse nine, he says, and when he had said these things, when he had commissioned them, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. He ascended to the Father. Now watch, watch what happens next in the text. They're, they're looking up. They're looking up because this is awesome. They're just standing around talking to him. And as they're talking to him, he's lifted up in front of them. Now you can go home this afternoon. You're going like, that's not that impressive. Right? Because we live in an age where being lifted up in front of people, we have jets, we have rockets, we have jet packs. We have that crazy thing you can do on water now with a jet ski and just go up in the air and do loops. And, and we have hang gliders and parasailers and we can parachute out of planes. We have, we have so many things that can kind of lift us up in the air that the whole thing is rather unimpressive to us today. But think about them. This is the first century. They've never seen anyone ever go up in the air in any manner whatsoever. And as they're standing there, he just begins to ascend before them. And then he's up and he's gone and he's through the clouds. And they're just standing there, all 11 of them, just looking up at the cloud. And I, and I imagine that none of them is saying anything because none of them know what to say. They're just in awe that they saw Jesus rise up into the air in front of them. They're taking it all in. But in taking it all in, they're not doing what he had told them to do. While they were gazing into heaven, verse 10, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Now, white robes are the official uniform of angels, similar to the green apron is the official uniform of Starbucks. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. It's like, the Lord just said, we got to have like a uniform. And by the way, completely coincidental today. <laughs> I, can, I can confirm for you, and my wife certainly can as well. I am no angel. <laughs> I am no angel, but I'm grateful for this gift from Nigeria that I'm wearing. And so, so, so the angels are there. They appear in white robes, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? And I feel like they want to turn to the angels, did you just see what happened? I feel like that's what they want to say to the angels, but they, they don't. And then the angel continues this, Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, here comes the motive, why we're going to do this, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back. He's coming back. It could be today. It could be this week. It might not be for a year or 10 or a lifetime, but he's coming back. And the thing that we have to be found doing when he comes back is the one thing he told us to do. Be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. Everywhere in this world. 
He's coming back, the angels say. Get to work, you freaks. What are you doing standing here looking up in the clouds? Do what he told you to do. Be my witnesses. Now that, honestly, that ought to be motivation enough. Don't you think? He's coming back. When he comes, I want him to find me doing the thing he told me to do. And if you're struggling at all, and I love this part of it, if you're struggling at all in life with this, I don't know what my life is about. I don't know what my life purpose is. I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know why I'm here. Okay, this is it. And there's nothing. All the other things you could do in life, all the other even good things that you could do in life, nothing compares to this witnessing to Jesus Christ. Nothing compares to the mission that he's given to us in this world. Don't you think? Amen? All right, so that's like the end of the message part of things. And you're like, wait, we still have a lot of time and you've never preached that short in your whole life, Todd. (laughs) Which is pretty close to true. But with all of that said, I want to take the rest of our time to let you know what we're doing as a church to be the witnesses of Jesus Christ in this world. And the purpose of this section of the message now is threefold. First of all, it's um, informational. Um, some of you are not aware of what we're doing, and that's um, my neglect in making it more apparent to you what we are doing in our partnerships. Uh, secondly, it's to get you to intercede. Uh, intercession or prayer. We want you to engage in prayer for what we're doing uh, so that uh, we would all have the boldness of Jesus Christ in our witness for him and in our ministries and partnerships. And then three, it's involvement, uh, both going and giving. Uh, Going is personal involvement in these uh, mission activities that we have and then giving toward the work. We want you to be participating personally whenever possible in this mission. And so let's start with this. Um, our work in partnerships, we break this down into three uh, categories. The first uh, is compassion ministries, and then church planting, and then training. We want to talk about all three of those. And, um, and so let's start with our compassion ministry partners, and we're grateful to have a, a number, almost all of our partners are here today, and so we, we just wanted to highlight uh, those partnerships to you so you know what we're doing corporately as a church. So the first one is the Barry Pregnancy Resource Center. Of course, we've had a long relationship here. In fact, we founded uh, the PRC back 11 years ago. And uh, Kathy Peterson, who's a member of our church, uh, is the executive director. A number of uh, people from Harvest here volunteer. But this is a ministry now that is uh, supported by some 30 or 40 churches uh, in the community and uh, truly has been embraced by the community. And basically, uh, they, they are just what they are, uh, what they say they are. They're helping moms and dads. They're helping uh, little babies uh, to be cared for and loved. Uh, prenatal care, natal care, and postnatal care for moms who are in some kind of a crisis pregnancy. And um, isn't it awesome to think about the fact that uh, over the last 11 years, there are uh, babies children who are alive today who would not otherwise have been born except for this ministry. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
Uh, second uh, partnership is the Berry Food Bank, and uh, we, uh, on your behalf, on, on, the, on behalf of our church, we give a monthly amount to the Berry Food Bank, but then we also have food drives throughout the year. And then I know that we have members of our church who are on the board there, and many, many of you volunteer uh, at the Berry Food Bank uh, through the year. Grateful for that. A new partnership that we established in the last year is the Military Christian Fellowship, and uh, we have uh, the joy and privilege of being in close proximity to base Borden, and we have a, a number of military personnel who are here on a regular basis, some of them for as short a span as six weeks, others for a period of years while they're doing their training at Borden, and uh, always have had a heart for how do we minister to military personnel as they're kind of working through uh, their time at, at Borden and then looking for a church to be a part of. And two really different things are happening here. Military Christian Fellowship is an organization that spans the country and is uh, doing work on several uh, Canadian Forces bases and ministering to military families. And we're great to partner with them. And so we're linked up with them in a way that uh, if there's military personnel coming from another place, they'll know that Harvest uh, is a, a great place for them to worship while they're in the Barrie area and post at the base Borden. And uh, so that's an encouraging ministry, a networking ministry for us. And then um, kind of separate to that, uh, we've been praying that God would uh, open up a great opportunity for the gospel on base Borden itself. And uh, about a year ago, uh, Lieutenant Darren Milley was appointed. He's a, he was a newly, had newly enlisted in the um, armed forces as a military chaplain. And uh, just uh, two months ago, a brand new evangelical evangelistic chapel uh, started at Base Borden on a monthly basis. And uh, we have a number of people here who have been involved with that. So praise the Lord for that. And I've invited Lieutenant Millie to speak to the church a few months from now. He's going to be up here on a weekend service and, and preaching as well. Uh, our fourth uh, partnership in the area of Compassion Partners is Children of Promise Ministries, uh, who rescue, advocate, and uh, care for orphaned and vulnerable children in Ibadan, Nigeria. And are so grateful for members Dio and Tinu Idowu, who um, have been members here for um, uh, 12, 13 years, and... Uh, have uh, really had their, a heart for their hometown in Nigeria and established this orphanage and are caring for young people there. And it's been such a joy to be able to partner with them all of these years. Um, the Cove Youth Initiative, uh, this is a new ministry to our city, to vulnerable teens, and one that we're uh, kind of at the uh, ground floor of helping establish. Selene is going to come up here right now, in fact, and I'm going to ask her a few questions uh, because we are uh, so uh, heavily invested in this ministry. We raised a bunch of money. Why don't you welcome Selena here? All right, uh, so uh, Selena is also a member of our church. Don't step back too far. And uh, also a member of our church and uh, the uh, director of the Cove. So why don't you tell us, first of all, what exactly is the Cove Youth Initiative? So the Cove is a uh, Christ-centered, nonprofit organization that is passionate about coming alongside our teens. We offer biblical-based counseling, therapeutic interventions, mentoring, and educational and support programs to teens and their parents in Simcoe County. And it's amazing how little of that is available in Simcoe County. It's actually, um, we're really overwhelmed already with what we are seeing. We haven't even gone public yet, and we're almost at our capacity for counseling um, 
uh, teens. And what are some of the things that you're seeing that are being addressed through this ministry? So we have teens that come into the Cove um, seeking support from any, everything from just needing a safe place to be heard to um, sharing struggles or, or talking about struggles at school, at home, with relationships, um, trauma, abuse, um, more severe mental health disorders. We're actually um, equipped to deal with the little and the big, and we are seeing all of that. Great. So that's kind of the starting point is more of a counseling ministry, but what's the future hold for the Cove? So we, um, our short-term goals right now is to build our mentorship program. We believe that that is incredibly important uh, for transformational change to take place. So we have support outside the counseling environment. So we're working on that right now. We're trying really hard to expand our capacity to counsel in-house. Our hope and dream is to provide one counselor for every, full-time counselor for every high school in Barrie, both public and separate and um, to uh, prepare a counseling on-site crisis intervention team that will go out on weekends on call. Uh, so we have a lot, actually come see me because we have a lot of goals. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we do have a long-term plan. So prayer and how can people help? Oh, we, um, yes, I'm gonna really ask that you continue to pray for uh, the Cove team. We have a group of amazing people, both here at Harvest and at Emmanuel that are really working, pouring their entire beings into building this uh, mission. But uh, heavy on our hearts right now is, like we already said, that we've got um, huge demand. And as a mission, we are passionate about coming alongside those teens who don't have resources, don't have access to specially Christ-centered, biblical-based uh, mm -hmm. counseling. And so that requires funds. We need to um, expand our counseling team, and we need to um, provide that counseling service to those who don't have the funds for that. So Great. we need that prayer and emotional support, financial support, and, and just your uh, engagement to just encourage our team members as we work on this project. It's not always easy work, so that's what we really need from our church. Great, and we can, you can tell just from listening to Selena, this is a, it's a passion work, obviously, but bearing the weight of these issues and seeing the kind of traumas that teens are going through is a weighty thing. So pray for Selena as she bears the weight of this as well. This is not in any respect an easy ministry to be involved with. So. I'm, I'm blessed too though because I get to see Easter every day in Amen. my office. Amen, the like, transformations truly, that are yeah. going on. Praise the so. Lord. Let's thank Selena for coming up. A couple of other partners that are not kind of regularly supported, but we work with on a project basis, Prison Fellowship Canada. You know, we've done a couple of Chris Christmas projects with them. And uh, kind of an interesting thing, if I could just mention uh, this, as we move into 7 George Street, we're going to have a great cafe in our lobby. And there's, uh, the, we were kind of trying to find a, the kind of coffee we want to serve. We want to serve better coffee in a better way. And I know some of you, I, did I hear an amen to that? Um, <laughs> But we were trying to source a coffee that would be kind of connected somehow with our partnerships. Cameroon doesn't really have a huge coffee industry, but there are some prisoners who couldn't, ex-cons, ex-inmates who couldn't get jobs. So they started a coffee company. They called it Clink Coffee because they, they got out of the clink, right? And so um, it's... Um, it's uh, um, it's a great coffee. It, it speaks to our social justice concerns, and we're going to be sourcing that coffee and using that in our new cafe. So that, and we, we actually, yeah. 
So what I want to say is we actually buy that from Prison Fellowship uh, through them, and then all of the funds get channeled back into post-prison pro programs for uh, inmates that are getting out of jail. And then uh, also the Salvation Army Bayside Mission, and Nino's over here to my left, and he works so hard with the Bayside Mission and so grateful for them, again, on a project basis, and many of you volunteer time there and so grateful for that. And while we do support um, these partners financially, many, many of you contribute uh, your time to serve with these partners to our and, and add to our 5,000 hours initiative. You know that in, in March we achieved um, our 5,000 hours. We reset the clock. We're actually sitting at uh, 469 as of this morning. So uh, almost 10% uh, almost of the way toward fulfilling 5,000 hours uh, again. So uh, that's all our compassion partners and so grateful to you for all of the ways that you contribute uh, to that. Uh, let's talk next about training. Our training partners are uh, Heritage College and Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. We have reps here from Heritage. We support them on a monthly basis. We have many grads of that school um, who are here and part of our staff and leadership team and our membership and grateful for uh, a school that reflects uh, what we believe, our theology and our approach to ministry. We're grateful for the relationships we have with the administration with the professors at Heritage College and Seminary. And then secondly, the Harvest Training Centers for Church Planting that are, uh, that are in uh, Chicago, in Arad, Romania, and in Jokmel, Haiti. So we are now training church planters in three locations around the world, these three locations. We currently have one of our own church planters, uh, Gilbert Ade from Cameroon is currently in Arad, Romania at our training center there, and he is uh, preparing to uh, take over leadership of the very first harvest that was planted in Cameroon, in, in Douala, Cameroon. And so we're grateful for our training partners. And then the third area is in the area of church planting. And our church planting partnership, of course, is with our family of churches, Harvest Bible Fellowship. And I want, I want you to know a little bit more about Harvest Bible Fellowship. If you don't know any of this, if you do, it'll be reviewed for you. But God has been doing some uh, amazing things. This is a, some of these numbers are a 2016 report. But uh, in 2016, so a year ago, Easter, um, almost 88,000 people were worshiping in a Harvest Bible Chapel around the world. We don't have this year's numbers in yet. But when you consider uh, 88,000 in 1988 when the very first harvest started, it was just 18 people. And so God has done something pretty incredible in 30 years to have 88,000 people in worship on uh, Easter. Um, we started with 38 people here in 2001 as the first Canadian plant and first, in fact, the first church plant outside of the Chicago area. And we're grateful for all of the things that God has done. Amen. It's pretty awesome. So in 2016, we reported 150 churches uh, planted globally. We were number four, to give you an idea of how early in the process we were. We were harvest number four. There's now 152. Uh, in 2016, there were two training centers. The Jokmel Haiti Training Center opened up earlier this year. And in 2016, we were in 19 countries on five continents. In 2016... Uh, 14 new churches were planted in six countries. There was nothing new planted in Canada in 2016. But if we move to the 2017 slide, you can see that there's 14 new church plants starting in 2017. And there are two in Canada. In fact, Harvest Ottawa launched a couple of weeks ago. And Harvest Calgary South is in the middle of their launch team, uh, building their core group. And they're getting their launch team together in order to plant in Calgary South. 
And uh, if you know people that live in the Ottawa area or in Calgary, uh, be sure to let them know that there's a harvest starting in their area that they could be a part of. It's a pretty exciting thing to be a part of a church plant uh, when God is doing something new uh, like this. And God has done, is doing great things through Harvest Bible Fellowship. We're really privileged uh, to be a part of this movement and to have been a part of it uh, for the last um, 16 years. God has done a great thing. And as we think specifically about our part in church planting, because that's kind of the broad sweep of what's happening, uh, we have placed a high uh, priority on church planting, believing that, uh, and Pastor James says this, but it's actually the first part of it's a ripoff from Oswald Smith. Uh, You'll remember him from the People's Church. And Oswald Smith used to always say the mission of the church is missions. And Pastor James took that and said, the mission of the church is missions, but the mission of missions is the church. In other words, the whole thing loops back on itself. We as the church send out those who are going to plant, be involved in missions and, and preach the gospel and then plant another church. So the point of missions is always to plant churches. And those churches in turn would plant new churches. And so Jesus mandated us to witness to people about the kingdom of God as a, and help them become disciples and then plant churches for them to be a part of around the world, churches that are gonna reach even more people with the gospel. And so our focus has been on four primary regions of the world, and uh, we have been involved for many years now uh, in Scotland. Pastor Scott Hamilton uh, planted Harvest Glasgow in 2009, and we partnered with them in their first year coaching them, and uh, we've sent uh, a couple of teams over to Glasgow to help with youth ministry. Uh, we've installed elders there. Uh, they have um, uh, been very close friends of ours. Pastor Scott has preached here. He's gonna be the first guest speaker here um, in Barry at our new building uh, in the fall. We're looking forward to having him back in October. And um, he has a vision now uh, to see uh, Harvest Bible chapels planted in all of the major Scottish cities, Aberdeen, Inverness, Stirling, Dundee, and Edinburgh. And uh, we're grateful for his vision. And there are uh, five churches in North America that have signed on to partner with Harvest Glasgow in the planting of further churches in Scotland. And uh, we're in on that. Uh, Cheryl and I are actually leaving for Glasgow on Wednesday. We're going to spend nine days there. I'm going to be preaching and teaching and training and meeting uh, with uh, leaders and uh, with, um, with the church itself. Uh, encouraging them, building them up. We're going to be meeting with a young man who may uh, join us at some point in what we're doing in ministry, and we're just excited to see what God is doing in that country and will continue to do in that country in the days ahead. Uh, Our second uh, major field, this is actually our major field, is Cameroon, and uh, Terry Codling, he's teaching a class right now, is our global ministries coordinator in addition to being one of our elders, and he's going to be going to Cameroon again uh, for I think a 15 or 16 day trip in June to coach and direct the churches there, especially as we head toward launching a new church in the capital of Yaoundé. And uh, we have coached Douala, we helped plant the uh, plant in the city of Bamenda. That church is doing so well. And again, we're planting in Yaoundé this year. And we're the lead church for Central Africa. So we have a group of uh, about a half a dozen churches in the U.S., plus Harvest Glasgow, who are supporting the work in Cameroon. Many, of leader, many leaders from those churches have gone over to do training, and we've sent two medical mission teams over to Cameroon in the past several years. So that's our big field, and we're looking forward to planting a lot more churches in Cameroon and and elsewhere in Central Africa. Uh, Then we have, of course, Canada, and, you know, this is where you get into that Acts 1-8 and that that kind of 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. And so now we're kind of we're kind of going the other way. Scotland, Cameroon, now bringing it a little closer. And uh, from the start, uh, one of the things you should know about our budget is that uh, 5% of everything we bring in goes into the Harvest Bible Fellowship to support church planting, the work of Harvest Bible Fellowship globally, which means that every single one of the 150 or so churches that have been planted, we kind of have our hand on that through the funding of the mission overall. And... um, Specifically, we have been involved in coaching and training and support to several church plants. Because we were the first outside of Chicago and the first in Canada, we had a significant uh, part to play in the planting of Harvest Oakville. Uh, We've done open houses and training in uh, York Region. We sent people out to Calgary to help with their training when uh, the first Calgary harvest was planted. And in 2008, those ones were kind of like, those ones were kind of secondary involvement in some ways, um, support to those who were planting. But in 2008, we commissioned Pastor uh, Kai Ballantyne and planted Harvest uh, Bible Chapel Muskoka. And uh, so that is our daughter work. And in 2014, we released, you'll remember, we released Pastor Mike Armstrong. We gave him to Harvest York Region and uh, they planted him in Newmarket. And uh, so we have been very involved in planting in, in this province and in this country over the years. And again, 5% of our budget going uh, toward the indirect involvement in a lot of these church plants as well. And then let's bring that even a little closer now into Simcoe County and the city of Barrie. And uh, we are really eager, obviously, to get into 7 George Street uh, in August. And once we get there and kind of get the shakedown of the building going and get settled in there a little bit. Uh, We are setting our sights on uh, the plan that we had in 2011 to put a Harvest Bible Chapel uh, campus or presence within a 15 to 20 minute drive of every person in Simcoe County. And so the two areas that we're um, eyeing more closely now are the cities of Aurelia, the town of Alliston. And the reason why is that uh, we have small groups that have started in both of those places now. And it is our hope, but not a promise, our hope that someday we might uh, take those small groups and have those as the seed toward us planting um, a campus or a church in uh, those two locations. And so we're eager for that. We have a lot of people coming from both of those areas. It's a significant drive for them coming in to the city of Barrie. We don't assume that that can keep happening forever. There's a lot more people in Aurelia and in Alliston that need to be reached. And so we're eager for that. We still have our eye on Collingwood with Sega Beach. We still have our eye on Midland Penetanguishing. God would have to open those doors in the future uh, for us to reach into those areas as well. And so we are on the mission. We're seeking to plant churches and to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's our work as it stands today. That's everything that we're doing in terms of global and compassion ministries as part of our church. And the last few things that I'll just say, and I'm going to invite the worship team can come up right now and get ready to lead us through a song as we close. But uh, first of all, our website is a great place to go as a source for information for all of this. If you want to find out more about our partners, you can go there. The full list of partners are there. Links to their websites. You can find out more about what they're doing. And um, on there as well, and this is at harvestberry.ca slash global to find that. Um, there's also the Harvest Bible Fellowship Daily Prayer Guide. This is a, a fantastic guide for you. One, one request on each day of the month that spans the entire fellowship worldwide. Some great prayer and a great way to be aware of what's going on. Um, 
In addition to that, our Prayer Matters email goes out in the middle of the week and you'll find prayer prompts for uh, various of our global ministry partners. I think that goes out on Thursdays, is that right? Prayer Matters goes out on Thursdays? Prayer Matters goes out on Thursdays? Thank you. Um, thank you, Brian. And, uh, and then third, of course, these tables are in the lobby with our partners. Stop by and say hi and find out more about these ministries and how you can be involved and engaged with all of this. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, amen, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ has entrusted into our hands. We don't need to worry about anything else, just what he's given us to do and to be faithful with that until he comes in the clouds. Amen? Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.